Craft Beer Radio, episode 349, on September 12th, 2015. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, flying we're, high like an eagle. We're men in motion. We are men in motion. This is our... We're just about to break off a half a hundo. <laughs> half a hundo. That was St. Elmo's Fire yeah. 30 years ago today. That was the number one song. Actually, this would be this would be the end of... This would be the 350th, right? Because it's yeah. 349. We started 300, so this is the 50th of that. All right, so we have a bunch of beers in front of us, uh, some that haven't come out yet, so these are interesting, yeah, at least one that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, and we should probably, though, start with the Session IPA or the Oktoberfest. I think we should start with the Oktoberfest, okay, the most so traditional one here. That sounds good. So this was sent to us by Samuel Adams. This is Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. Thank you, Sam Adams. This is their seasonal, obviously, tetting. Tennington Agar and Hillertown Middlefrew hops, so pretty traditional. The malt varieties they use there: two row pale malt blend, Munich Ten, Oktoberfest malt, and caramel sixty. Uh, bottom fermenting lager strain, and for the yeast, and they call the SRMs twenty. Looks about right. It's a dark. It's a it's a deeper amber, right? Yeah, tea-like, uh, maybe a little orange on the tea color. Very clear. It, it's a rich, good-looking beer. Nice tight head. It's kind of sort of holding up there. 5.3% alcohol by volume and 16 IBUs. Smell is really big on kind of a melanoid, mm-hmm. malty-type aroma where you're getting some things that are kind of like toffee and some some like hard rustic bread crust and but it, it's kind of a uh, maybe i take back the rustic bread crust because it's kind of like a more doughy sweet yeah type i, type I agree character. it's more it, it is more doughy there's definitely more sweetness coming through there's some caramelization yeah i mean if yeah. you're if you're in the you know i mean this is like it was cold out today you know, for some mm-hmm. reason, this like this kind of beer, the smell just kind of set me, like gave me a smile, just smelling like this rich multi beer. It kind of smells like um, a raisin bread minus the raisins. Mm-hmm. It's a nice sweet. The first deep. sniff I had, I smelled a fair amount of hops, but after a couple sniffs, I'm really tuning into the malt. I'm not really able to pick out anything. Specifically, hoppy in the aroma right now. I think it's it's there, but you know, I, I, yeah, it's balancing, right? It's, it's so hard to tell because there's, I don't know whether I'm fooling myself or not. Okay, like when it first came out of the can, I smelled it. I'm like, you know, I smelled mm-hmm. like a separate maltiness and hoppiness, but now it's kind of meld together, and the hops are just in there supporting it. The flavor gives you much of what you're smelling. Mm. It actually it's deeper. You get kind of a little bit of progression in the kind of different bread flavors you're getting. I started out kind of a maltiness, you know, this traditional for the style. Let me try to put some words to it, but um, oh, I don't know. To me, it's um, it reminds me a little bit of 
French toast with a little bit of vanilla in there. Okay, yeah, French toast is a pretty good call. Um, so it's it's it's, it's sort of a sweet. Yeah, it's a, it's a sweet, slightly custardy almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I I, I kind of get like a different tone that kind of comes through about halfway through. It's a little more crackery than that. Hmm. But you know, it, I definitely think your French toast call is good. It has kind of that. Um, you know, we talked about how it has a doughy smell, right? Yeah. Or, well, kind of the flavor part of that is kind of more like the consistency of you know a French bread that is. Yeah egg custard and, and cooked up kind of that it's probably more appropriate than thinking of raw dough or something like that it has a good mouthfeel to this too i i, I like um you know san adams they change our tour fest every year it, they um sometimes it's less malty this is one of the more malty ones and i like it when it's more malty i like my tour I, fest I, I think you're right i think kick. i think this has more malt character to it than than i wasn't initially expecting yeah and uh, yeah, it's it's rich and pleasant, and mm-hmm. comes in a can. So comes in both. They sent us yeah. one bottle and one can. We're, we're using the can. Uh, I mean, I love cans as a delivery mechanism for beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned it before. You know, it, it we're all four cans, but I'm like I, I'm continually surprised. Like almost half the beers we've been doing on the show are cans. And I'm just surprised that. There's such an uptake in cans that it's like, might have, it's probably not 50% of craft beer sold, mm-hmm. but you know of the different beers we're sampling, it's about 50%. So the there's been big news. We should like, we should mm-hmm. finish talking about this beer before we get into the big news, I guess. But do you have anything to add about the October? I don't think so. I mean, it's not really progressing much, right? You wouldn't expect a beer mm-hmm. like this to really progress much. As we're talking about the story, I'm going to warm it up just to see what yeah. I get at the end with a warmer beer. But, I mean, we're drinking it. It's just been out of the fridge for a few minutes. It's a lager. You wouldn't expect this to be great at 72 degrees. Yeah. You want to drink this one a little in like the mid-50s, mid to low-50s. And, um, yeah, this is... That vanilla you mentioned, you know, it's kind of like hanging around. It's not like straight up vanilla, like a vanilla bourbon-aged whatever, right. right? It's like a hint of vanilla in that French toast. Mm-hmm. It's a really good call you put there. That was a secret that I learned uh, from my mother at making French toast. She put a little vanilla extract into the custard. Uh, okay. So add something to it. Gotcha. Yeah, lots of beer news. Yeah, the, the big one, I think, is the Lagunitas purchase. That's the big... Well, it was a big one until, like, the other one happened. What's the other one? The other one? Oh, you didn't see that? I I don't know. Miller Miller bought St. Archer. Oh, okay. We just had some St. Archer on the show not too long ago. It was sent in by a fan, I believe, by a listener. I don't think it was from the brewery. And, um, yeah, they they sold to Miller. Interesting. Now, I have a theory on this, and I... Explain my theory to you. I tweeted about it too. But my theory is that. We should talk about the Heineken and what it was. Yeah. So Lagunitas sold a 50% stake to Heineken. And Tony McGee on his Tumblr blog has a good. It's an article worth reading. And you need to parse it for what it is. Yeah. He's not going to say anything bad about his new corporate overlords, even though they're not overlords. But, you know, you just have to know what you're reading. I mean, but they're... But make some interesting points. Yeah, they're not overlords, but they're certainly going to be involved in things that they weren't involved in before. So, 
Mm-hmm. There's a give and take there, but that's what you do when you, you know, you, you give fifty percent of your stakes. You sell it really. Um, I don't deny him. You know, there are a lot of people were complaining about this. Hey, dude deserves to get a paycheck for what he did, and he's. But I really think that there's more to this than just. This is not a sellout situation, nor are any of the. I think that what we're seeing now is when these big companies are buying things, it's it's much less about selling out. It's much more about the saturation in the American market. Because there are 4,000 breweries right now, right? Something It's approaching that number. It will be that number at some point. It's plain hard to get shelf space anywhere. Especially, uh, how are you going to grow? How's a company like Lagunitas, which is, already has pretty much nationwide distribution, they can't really grow that much more. There's, even if... The uh, craft beer market, like the Brew Association, once gets to 20% by 2020, and I believe that's certainly possible, um, that's still 20% with 5,000 breweries at, the, at that point taking up that 20%. Right. So where do you grow? You grow outside the country. You take... Not because there's not growth inside the country but because there's probably a vacuum there's probably more demand mm-hmm. than can be supplied and part of what tony said is he was looking for a international or a global brewer to partner with and he felt, he wrote in his blog that he didn't want to partner with bankers and he also mentioned that he felt that abm bev and sab miller are more bankers than brewers mm-hmm how he feels okay. where Heineken's still family owned all that stuff. Right. So the CEO knows how to make beer, that kind of thing is right. what he mentioned in the blog. Now, some of that could just be all of what I just said passed through the filter of yes. where it came it, from. It's still marketing speak essentially. Yeah. So we've got to keep that in mind, but Hey, Heineken has distribution agreements. They can get the beer in, in order to get your beer out of the country. It's you take, it takes an army of lawyers and months and months and months for to get it to one country. Heineken has it's all set up already. They can they already have the lawyers too. They can get past the red tape a lot quicker than, than McGee could on his own. It's a right. lot it's a lot less risky for him now to do it. I mean it, it, it would be oh, a sure. risk. Absolutely. This is I, I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. I mean he, sure he sold, gave up half of his company. But what's he gain? You know, what if Loganitas is ten times bigger after this than if he had gone it alone yeah you know, so that's the risk that you're taking the, the, you know and he's still in charge it's not like he's a minority owner now mm-hmm. yeah i i think it it makes sense i mean we're gonna see a lot of a lot of craft breweries are getting to middle age are getting to the brewer the brewers the owners are going to think about retiring and transitioning mm-hmm. out you're going to see a lot of different ways of it happening. We've seen a lot of different ways. We've seen employee stock, employee-owned stock mm-hmm. options. We've seen private equity. We've seen selling out to a bunch, a bunch of different kinds of big brewers or even smaller brewers like Founders and, well, that wasn't a majority. That was 30% stake, right? But, yeah. you know, the partnership that they had with um, uh, the Spanish brewery. Uh, I can't think of the name right now. Um, I say... Good. Oh, I'm, it's it's a it's a maturation of the market, yeah. and and this is going to continue to happen. So, 
I, One thing I saw about the number of breweries and saturation, now I don't have my own opinion on this yet, I just want to mention it because the way you worded it, I just think it's worth bringing up, and that is, if you look at the number of wineries in the country, uh-huh. it's a lot more than 4,000. It's like eight or something. It's big, right? And if there's room for that many wineries, you know, you might want to just look at that and think about how you think about saturation. But, but just something I wanted to mention. But there aren't the, that many wineries have that have na- nationwide distribution, right? Sure, right. And so I, I think that's the thing is like there's a lot less room for uh, a relatively small company like Lagunitas to get nationwide distribution now. For for a, like they had nationwide, they had it. A brewery starting up now. It's harder and harder for them to get them, and and, and it's hard for Lagunitas to to break through and and get more. And if you don't grow, you shrink and you die. That's the way these things work. Mm-hmm. So, I I totally understand it, and I think that this should not be this should not be thought of as as the death of of something. This should be thought of as something to be celebrated. This this is brewery. This is craft beer crafted beer is becoming more and more a mainstream product worldwide right there's one other piece of news not probably not as big but it's noteworthy and that is that stone is looking for a ceo greg cook is moving into the chairman position he wants to do more strategic uh planning working on the he wants to be a banker like uh (laughs) he wants to work on the berlin brewery Mm -hmm. and other projects the fun stuff he doesn't want to run the company day to day so they're looking for ceo to run the company day to day but did you apply i did no (laughs) um but i mean it's just another thing you got one of these old guard craft brewers Mm -hmm. who he's not leaving the company but this could be getting him out of the ceo role I mean, Greg took it like a sabbatical a couple of years ago. He was like yeah. off the grid for like nine months or something like that. Um, what, going Kaczynski in the woods? He did. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was off the grid as far as I know. At least he wasn't on social media. He might have been talking to friends and family, but mm-hmm. he wasn't talking to the public. And, um, you know, so, you know, it could, you know, it's like when the chairman decides to retire versus the CEO. You know, it's a different impression of the company. It's kind of like with this whole Google and Alphabet thing. I don't want to go down this too far, but, you know, a lot of the tech journalists are talking about how this is how um, Sergi and the other Google guy, you know, how they can kind of move themselves like out of the day-to-day without like the stock price taking a tumble type thing. So Interesting. But yeah, so that's the big beer news that's been happening and it's it's been an interesting week for that. But yeah, like I said... Don't mourn it. Celebrate it. Sounds good. This beer is delicious. Yeah, really good. This is one. I mean, I don't remember Sam Adams Oktoberfest tasting like this, and this is wonderful. Good stuff. Way to go, Sam. All right, so next we should probably go with the Session IPA. This is from Heavy Seas. I think that's a wise plan. This one was... You either brought this back from Saver or it was sent to us by the brewery. Um doesn't matter even which way. the Berliner. It doesn't matter either way. It was provided by them. Thank you, Heavy Seas. So Crossbones is 4.5% alcohol by volume. The malts are to use their pale malt, Munich wheat, caramel, caramel, carapils, and biscuit malt. And the hops, well, 
Secret Blend. Ooh, Secret Blend. So here we are, kind of a orange, golden color, gold orange. It's got, it's, seems just, you know, a little cloudy. I saw a story today. Four point five. That's yeah. That's still that's sessionable, but that's you know. Yeah, it's pushing it. <laughs> it's it it it's, it's right at the limit. No, I think for me, it's like over the line, but I won't throw the flag just yet. Yeah. You know, it's like they're cheating, but I'll let this one slide. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> Yellow card. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, speaking of session IPAs, real quick, I saw another story today. I didn't get around to reading it. Um, I just kind of read the summary part of it. And Founders, uh, they've been a company, they've always prided themselves with not having a flagship. You know, they don't really have this huge runaway beer. Well, until they started making... Tell that to breakfast out. Volume-wise, it's not a runaway beer. Okay. They didn't have one until all-day IPA, their session IPA. And it's quickly become their biggest seller. It's out there. And they are, the summary was kind of talking about how, like, they, they're doing this, you know, like, huge expansion. I think the number was, like, 400 million or so. Maybe not. That sounds too big. Maybe that was it. I don't know. That, that, that's that's big. a big number. It was a big expansion. But it was, like, you know, funded by the beer that almost wasn't, you know, because they weren't really sure that, you know, Session IPA. Yeah. And they spent a long time working at it. They were one of the first... Of, and I won't say they were the very first, but they were early on in the session IPA uh, releases. And uh, yeah, so something that may not have happened is now they're like cash cow. Interesting. So yeah, 4.5 is kind of pushing it for sessions. Um, but I mean, I've seen thing, people call things that are five and even like five and a half sessions. It's like, come on. Has a good malt aroma. I mean, there's hops there too, but for lower alcohol beer, one of the things you'll typically not smell in a session IPA. It's kind of a rich, malty, bready aroma. And what I smelled on this was kind of something that was a little uh, donut-like, kind of like a glazed donut or something like that. And it yeah, kind of surprised yeah. me. Because a lot of session IPAs, the malt was kind of like thin and gritty and grainy. And this one kind of has more smooth, rounded aroma on it. And then the hops. I wonder if... Uh, so there's some citra in there. Citra. I wonder if the vanilla is coming from Motuika. Because I mean, now I smell again. It kind of it kind of took me back to that. You know, when we've had those, like yeah. when, we, when we had that Duclaw. I don't know. Well, let's see. Mm-hmm. Kind of honeydew, or um, yeah, there's a bit of honeydew aroma coming off of it as well. Okay, so the 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 base malt is more uh, cracker like to me. I think more okay. sort of salt yeah. It doesn't quite have that donut flavor yeah. to it. It's a little thinner in the flavor. Big hops, you're kind of getting. Um... I think there's definitely citra. I think that there's probably there's, there's cascade in there. Um, something with a lot of tangerine notes. Yeah, I'm getting a. Getting a couple different things. The thing I'm trying to dial in on is there's this kind of, there's this citrus, but it's not really 
any of the descriptors I normally go to. I want to kind of say it's kind of a, you know, when you get those one of those oranges that isn't really all that sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like that with a touch of tangerine on it. Yeah, it's hard to, to pull these out. There's something that's very resiny and piney towards the back as well. I was going to say, I think there's a bit of Simcoe in here, but I'm not sure. I don't taste Chinook. But, yeah. And it's really pithy in the late finish. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a definitely multiply faceted hop profile on this. Trying to see if I can, as I take more sips, whether it comes into view more. Yeah, it has that dirt, that that pithy bitter note at the end. I've definitely come to expect that from these from session IPAs. They they tend to be hop juice more than uh, more than the regular IPAs, and they uh, they tend to have kind of a bitter end to them. And this one is. Less hop juicy, right? I think there's, 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 it's not a substantial maltiness, but there is uh, a flavor of, like I said, sort of like cracker coming through. Mm -hmm. There is something that, that it, that has a backbone in here to hold up the, to hold up the hops. But yeah, it does end pretty bitter. And and people like that. It finishes pretty dry. My mouth's kind of have a little bit like a chalky coating on Mm -hmm. it. Feels kind of chalky. Actually, I, I, I seem like I'm pulling a little bit of like prickly pear or something like that as well. Interesting. Not bad. Uh, it's, you know, not my favorite style of beer anyway, but this is for a session IP, it's a pretty good one, I think. Yeah, it's good. Okay. This guy, I guess. Yeah, why not? Okay, so this. We got this at Saber, I imagine, based yeah. on the label. <laughs> it was soaking in an ice bath. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, the label's kind of destroyed on this guy. This is uh, from Shorts. Shorts Brew, which um, we're happy to get because we can never get that, except for when we go out to uh, Great American Beer Fest. And they don't send, uh, they don't send samples. They've, <laughs> they said we're... Very happy that to to hear that you want our beer, but we don't send samples to anybody. Right. So, all right. But this is. But they did We're give. Still it. reviewing we, you we, anyway. We still got one. <laughs> so, Freedom of Seventy Eight is a IPA that apparently. So, trying to find some information here, and there's not a lot, but uh, they use guava nectar in it. So, and the label's destroyed. It says brewed with pink. Something. Something. Yeah, it's unintelligible beyond that. Uh, a collaboration with Half Acre Beer Company in Chicago. 6.9% alcohol by volume, 70 IBUs. The, do they explain the title at all? Freedom of 78? No? No. <laughs> no, they don't. Big fruit juice, probably that guava aroma is coming off of this beer. It's kind of it's outpowering the, any kind of hoppy yeah. aroma. Yellowish golden color, uh, cloudy. 
Yeah, lots of guava coming off. Similar to pineapple juice. Maybe a little more. With kind of a sort of a quinine-like bitterness, I guess. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, we recently had guavas. I brought some from the from the Spanish grocery, remember? Okay. Which ones were they? The small. Oh, okay. All right. Small little fruits. That's really dominating the aroma. I can't get past the fruit juice aroma. Are you getting anything else? <sighs> Not really. Maybe this will be like rad from Six Point. <laughs> If only. If only. If only most beers were like that one, right? A lot of guava on here. Yeah, it's very similar. It, it, it It's a beer cocktail flavor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much fruit juice coming at you that many of the beery parts of it are kind of just blended in. Yeah. Interesting. But it, it doesn't it doesn't immediately bring connotations to rad for me. Rad tastes I think more more like a mixture. This still tastes like an IPA with a lot of guava juice in it. Okay. It's really hard to talk about because the guava is so forward. Yeah, it's 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 a guava beer. It's it's almost like what I wanted Buddha's hand to be. All right, right. You know, I wanted to really taste yeah, that. Yeah. Uh this is you can really taste the guava. In the here. only thing I'm really the main thing I'm noticing from the hops is kind of like a bouncing bitterness and kind of a dryness at the end. Yeah. Like not little really pith, some little it, pithy notes. It doesn't really yeah. provide the dryness, but it provides the pithiness and maybe a little bit of um, resinous or something that's kind of drying out at the end. This is uh, Freedom of 78 from Shorts and Half Acre. So, Jeff. Yes. While we're digesting the guava beer, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Well, I was thinking that uh, I might need to purchase something soon. Where do you think I should go? You, my friend, should go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Huh. Why would I want to go there? Because it redirects you right to the Amazon store website with our referral code. doesn't cost you a penny more, and you support the show. It really helps us bring this show to you. That does sound like a good idea, but what if I want something that's like not an item, but like website hosting? Well, yeah. Okay. What about that? Well, if you want website hosting, we got you hooked up there too. We never talk about this, but uh, we use Bluehost as our website host, and there is a referral link on our website. You click there, you sign up for a Bluehost account, and they give us a big fat chunk of cash. They give us like 75 bucks for each referral. So if you're looking for website hosting, let's do that. Okay, but what if I want something like... Like, what if I want to have an affair? 
Well, we have an act. <laughs> we do not have an Ashley Madison referral. And you probably want to use something more discreet anyway. Hmm. I don't know. You could probably buy them on Amazon somewhere. Somewhere in, in the back alleys of Amazon, right? I mean, who knows? There, there's, there's sex toys and stuff there, so. Tonight's featured item on Amazon. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. So what do you think? Guava beer. Guava beer. It's a fruit juice beer. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, there's. It's really hard to talk about because it, the dimensionality is, yeah, all blown out by the fruit juice. It's just it's it's guava beer. Uh, you, you get what it says on the tin. You know, and so, mm-hmm. what what you know, that's what you're asking for, really, right? It's a good implementation. Like mm-hmm. you said, like we had that Buddha's hand. Pretty disappointing implementation. This one's not. This is a good implementation. It's just not a beer very amenable to a uh, live review type scenario. <laughs> All right. So we have two beers. I say we do the hoppy one. Okay. And then do the imperial stout. So this is from Avery. This is a, a beer, beer from the future. It has not been released yet. In the year 2000. This is their Raja. So you might say, wait a second. Avery's been making Maharaja for years. What do you mean it hasn't been released yet? Oh, but this is the Raja. 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 Double they IPA. Dropped, they dropped the Maha. And now it's just Raja. So it features the Australian hops Vix Secret and Galaxy. So those I never heard of Vix Secret. I've heard of Galaxy. Right. Um and it's eight percent alcohol by volume. It will be released on the Friday of the Great American Beer Fest on September twenty fifth. We will be there and we will probably be there at the Great Avery Boulder Fest, right? Uh yeah. I if we go up there, we might. I don't, yeah, I haven't uh, we haven't decided? Yeah, we need to work on that. And uh, got a couple other invites. I want to. I'll talk with you after the show and see if we can. Uh, yeah. Make sure we RSVP for all the invites we want to go to. Okay, that's that's hobby. You think? I think it's going to take a second for us to calibrate off of guava. Yeah. Let's see. So this is what's written on their can. Brazenly bitter, dashingly dry hopped. Raja is an audacious addition to our lengthy lineage of intrepid IPAs. So, a lot of verbiage there. Hops for all. All for hops. Brewed with Rocky Mountain water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. There you go. Avery's in Boulder. This is canned. I'm not sure if it's bottled as well. They sent us a can of it. Nice little package. Hmm. Kind of more tangerine. You know, kind of what we were uh, smelling. Or not, I guess not really like that. We got a touch of tangerine in the crossbones from Heavy Seas. But, right. But not a big part. Where the aroma on this one is kind of... First thing I can really discern is a big tangerine note. There's... There's... Is that passion fruit? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, I think there's because it's that galaxy, right? The these really tropical stuff coming from galaxy, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, I don't know what Vic's secret are, but I know the galaxy has the tropical notes. Ooh, yeah, tropical. Mm-hmm. Get a. Uh... <laughs> a little spider descending on Greg. Guess I need the dust in here. To get rid of all the cobwebs. <laughs> just let him go. Let him on his way. Um, take another sip here. But yeah, I got this big tropical yeah. mango passion pineapple. fruit pineapple. Yeah, the pineapple is kind of what's giving it the acidity that is kind of coming through there. Definitely passion fruit. This is really interesting because that. This almost tastes like a fruit juice beer. Yeah, there's, yeah, and there isn't. They they said on yeah, yeah, yeah just you know, hopped water yeast. Wow, that's juicy and bright. That hops. yeah, that those are very interesting. It's a very interesting dimension for uh, an IPA to take a lovely one. I'm super happy with this tendency. We've talked about yeah. it before, but man, these tropical IPAs are blowing my mind because they're so much better than the aggressive resiny. Yeah, eventually, maybe five years from now, this kind of thing will be played out, and I'll I'll want something different. But right now, all these ones that give us these interesting different dimensions of hops, oh, that's great. The, um, I'm getting a little bit of that scratchy tingling in the back of my throat, like you get was from like a fresh hop beer, like a Harvest Ale. Getting a little touch of that. This one's yum yum. This mm. is the Raja. When this comes out, you need to try it. Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> this is very good. Eight percent double IPA. Very easy drinker too. I think that the the, mm-hmm. the tropical, <coughs> the sort of pineapple-y fruit juice quality lets it go down really easy. It doesn't taste exceptionally bitter. So, while the bitterness is there, it's definitely mm-hmm. there to you know to back up, which is right. what is a, kind of a, a toasty, slightly slightly toasty, uh, like toasted plain Italian or white bread, right in, in the background. But it's yeah, just, it's just a palette or a canvas for the hops. Yeah. I mean the the malt is there, but it's not really trying to do much more than just support those hops and let those hops really burst and burst they do mm. I feel like I'm being like too complimentary for like the, the Sam Adams in this beer because they were donated but they're really that good these are all beers that have been donated right I mean the shorts we got it somehow yeah yeah no yeah we paid for none of these yeah. beers so this is an all donated show um I, I, I guess donate is the wrong word. These, these are samples. Sure. Um, but. Yeah, well, I just, we, I, I feel like. I'm we being, have a disliked one. I feel like I'm being so complimentary. Well, they're all really good. They are. That's the thing. It's like, I kind of wanted to like self-check myself. But yeah, no, they're that good. Yeah. These have been really good. I mean, the, the only one I didn't, you know, super love so far is in the heavy season. That's just because I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the style, but I mm-hmm. thought that. For the style, it was very good. Right. Oh, this Raja's yum yum. Mm-hmm. Need some more of this. 
September 26th. Go find it. If you like the tropical IPAs. You know, if you're more into the the resiny, uh, piney stuff, this is probably not going to entice you as much. Yeah, I guess. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm just, I, I'm just giving out the information. Oh, sure, sure. I'm just trying to imagine the person who <laughs> loves the <laughs> abrasive, scratchy, difficult ones and not something like this. Hey, it takes all kinds. Sure. That's the, they still make those beers, so clearly there are people who like those. Hey, but there are probably people that like everything hoppy. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'd like to hear if if, if any listener is like, no, I, I, like, uh, I like the resiny ones. We'd like to hear from you. All right. Maybe you do need to do another beer geek roundtable at some point. Actually, uh, John from the beer suggested we should set another one of another. Uh, well, the podcaster roundtable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could look at doing a beer geek one. We haven't done those in forever. Yeah. The closest we've come is are the New Year's shows. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the final beer of the night is from Grand Teton Brewery. Again, Grand Teton Brewery in Idaho, Victor, Idaho. So this is Black Cauldron, an Imperial Stout. Uh, we have a uh, sample bottle, but I think it's already it's been released. Malsity is Idaho Two-Row Pale, Care Munich, Carafa Special, and Beechwood Smoked. Beechwood Smoked. Do they say how this is packaged? Because the, the bottle we have says, Sample, not for resale. Black Cauldron Imperial Stout, Cellar Reserve. Oh, then this might be... Okay, right. this is available October 1st in 12-ounce, so this is not released yet. Okay, look at that. We're drinking, wow. or future drinking. In 12-ounce four-packs and 750-milliliter bottles and kegs. Okay. So, okay. So that was the Malta. Two-row pale, Caramina, Carafa Special, and Beechwood Smoke. The Hops, Hillertown, Magnum, and Cascade. Uh, 47 IBUs, 8% alcohol by volume. The color is jet black with maybe a brown highlight at the top. It's pretty dark. The head is a tan and... The aroma on it is... The smell is deep, deep chocolate and pitted fruits. Okay, that's a good call. Yeah, it definitely has kind of a very roasty. I'll go with the deep chocolate. I'll have to go back and look for the fruits. I was smelling something that's a a touch of soy, a touch of soy sauce. Sure. Maybe a little smoky or something like that. I mean, it's like deep roasty. I'm thinking of... um, Trying to think of uh, another imperial stout that is in the same vein that's widely available. Um, There's definitely some prune kind of, kind of like a. I'm trying to think of an example. It's not really big, rich, and sweet in the aroma like a lot of American stouts. I'm thinking this is kind of like a Baltic, you know, like influence or something like that, Hmm. where it has kind of that drier body. That's kind of what it smells like to me. A 
warm it up here since it is an imperial stout after all. So this is brewed uh, to recognize and honor the women in the history of brewing. Interesting. Brewing has been a woman's work since the dawn of civilization. It has, you know, most of the brews that were brewed from the dawn of time were brewed by the uh, the woman of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only been a few hundred years yeah. where brewing has been a man's job. Or primarily, we should say. Well, I thought the yeah. inflection right, yeah. put the quotes around it, but yes. I mean, now we're seeing, um, you know, and now we we have an explosion of breweries. We are seeing a lot more women-owned breweries and women brewers, and it's great to see that. And so it's nice to see some recognition about True. that too. So it's always good. Yeah, I let mean, this warm up a bit because I think it needs it. I'm going to take a sip here, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention before I take a sip: we we're talking about that Stone CEO. <laughs> what I thought of was like, hey, there's a job for Dick Cantwell. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Since the Elysian made him, you know, yeah, he quit Elysian because it wasn't uh, what he wanted to do with his career. I, I bet Dick's going to open up his own place. Well, he's doing that consulting stuff right now. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay, I took a sip. That pitted fruit Greg was smelling is definitely in there. There's a big prune. Type character to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really the the main thing I noticed on the first sip. I'm gonna take another sip here. I do taste the soy, you know the the umami. Um, yeah, it, it's it's got a slight it, it taste, almost like it has a little bit of oxidation on it. Um, it actually does. It tastes like it's old. I mean, yeah. not in a bad way. Yeah, it tastes like it has some age to it in this style of beer i kind of like something with a little bit of that character instead of just being sharp and hot right yeah it it has a slight smoky quality i guess it's coming from the beechwood smoked malt um just really it's it's light it's a very light thing it's not an oppressive so it does say on the side here cellar reserve so it it could have some age on in barrels or something like that. I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, so this is the cellar reserve version. So this is actually 9.5% as opposed to the 8%. Oh, okay. That's what it says in the bottle. Yes. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the label is a completely generic label. Yeah. Where the biggest letters on the label is sample. Hopefully you'll see that on the... Because we, we try to attach the picture now to yeah, the yeah. show. You'll see the picture for sure. Uh, you just look at your iPod right now, and in the album artwork, you should see it. What if they're listening on Android or on a computer? You know, stuff. Figure things, it out. Translate. Stuff and things? Translate as appropriate. And you can go to uh, the Craft Beer Radio Twitter feed and see the that, picture. You can go to craftbeer.com slash 349. The picture will be right there. Along with BB-8. He did make the picture. That spunky little droid. He's sitting there right in front of us, just looking at you. Staring at me. Now he's staring at me. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) 
bunch of good beers tonight. Yeah, so I'm still working on this one. I think this one's still going to develop. Mm-hmm. The woodiness, the, the the beechwood smoke is coming through, but I'm also getting a little bit of like, just a touch of like something like sassafras or something like that, like a little woodiness off it. So maybe this is in a barrel oh, I for like a time. That. I like that. Yeah, I like that pull. Absolutely. Yeah. When I first took a sip of this, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's it seemed a little not multidimensional. It seemed a little one note when I took the first sip, and then now I'm drinking it. It's opening up yeah, all over a the lot place. Of, yeah, it's opening up all over the place for me. So I'm excited because that first sip, I was like, oh, I wanted something better, and then it started giving me something better. <laughs> there, there's fruity. There's a little bit of a almost like a cognac kind of thing going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there's you know, like I said, the smokiness. There's the a little bit of that umami, that soy sauce. Lots of good stuff happening with this one. It's going to be a tough show to rank. Getting some, like, tart cherries at this point. That last up was really fruity. Less of the prunes, more cherry. So it's kind of moving around on us. But, yeah, it's really good. Do you want to get on to the rankings? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, yeah, this is going to be tough. Uh, okay, from the bottom, I'll put the crossbones at the bottom. I mean... It was a fine session IPA. It, its secret blend of hops were a little confusing to me. It it didn't bring through like a a clear direction of sure. what it was to be. It started out citrusy. It kind of got resiny at the end. It I think it needed to stick in one camp or the other, yeah. or, or do something obvious. It's it up against of, some hard, some some really yeah, good. And it was a little bit confusing. Yeah. So I'll put them in last place, and then. Um, I'll put the guava, the the shorts, Freedom of seventy eight in fourth place. It was a fine beer. Again, it was more enjoyable than the crossbones. It's in fourth place because it was the fruit juice bomb, mm-hmm. and it blew out any kind of uh, nuances or details in the beer. While it was a good drinker, it didn't make for a good show because, like, hey, I taste guava. <laughs> No, they said, hey, more guava. You know, there wasn't a ton to talk about. And, you know, on the show, I think complexity and sometimes we're just straight up drinkability, right? When we like, get those pilsners. Yeah. I mean, there's there's delicateness there that goes with the drinkability. But, you know, for this one, guava was good. But some of these other beers, which were more nuanced, have to go in front of it. In third place, I'm going to put the Black Cauldron. I like this a lot. The more I drink it, the more it's opening up. It's uh, everything we just talked about. Lots of dark fruits. Uh, some smokiness. A little bit of sassafras or something in there. It, it is a nice beer. Now it gets hard. I think I'm going to put the Oktoberfest, Sam Adams, in second place. I really like this. Greg mentioned how they kind of tinker with the formula year after year. And this one seems to be the maltiest one that we've tasted in a while. And it was delicious. It was spot on mm-hmm. what I like in Oktoberfest. Um, really good. Give this one a try. You know, we always... It seems like we often like the Sam Adams beers. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are looking at the craft beer aisle. And, you know, might be looking for something a little more rare or less available. But, you know... I'm not, we're not, I'm not saying you should buy every Sam Adams we talk no, about. No, I mean, we've but, had Sam Adams that we didn't necessarily yeah, like. But, but this one I think you should try. If you're looking for an Oktoberfest, and this is the right time, 
this is a really good Oktoberfest. God, I I love the malt factor that comes through on this one. I love a good malty Oktoberfest. This one delivers, and it's really good and drinkable. So, yeah, and this is really good. Yeah. So don't don't let the uh, don't let them the big label scare you off. I say this one this one's one you should seek out and taste. And then yeah, I'm gonna put the Raja number one because the um, the hopping was superb. I mean, it was that passion fruit, yeah. mango, juicy, delicious. And we started drinking it, and I couldn't believe this one also did not have fruit yeah. juice in it. It was so juicy. It tasted like, almost like it had fruit juice. That that was really good. So that's yeah. my order. Uh, my order is exactly the same as yours. And I, I thought it would be different when I wrote mine down. I thought, mm. oh, he's, he's not going to with mine exactly the same spot on yeah heavy seas is last place like i said not my favorite style a good version of of that type of style um i i didn't like dislike it but i mean it's just it it it, it falls into last place just out of circumstance really uh the short is number four i liked that it was like it said on the tin, like I said, it, it's a guava beer. Here, <laughs> right, here's right, a guava right. beer. Uh, it's just the other ones had more complexity and more interesting stuff going on. Uh, so the Grand Teton, I also put it as third. I think it's really good, but I just think that those other two uh, were more... They had just something else right. uh, to to push them above it. It, it's hard because I thought all the, these one, two, and three are all really, really excellent. Uh, I did put Sam Adams in numbers in the second place. Great Oktoberfest. I love a multi Oktoberfest. I love it when, when I get one of those. And it was just a great way to start the show too. I mm-hmm. think starting with that easy, good drinker that had a lot of malt, but also, um, I don't know. It was it was just yeah. I know. I hear you. Uh, you made that really are... good pool of like French toast on that. Yeah, one. and once you said that, everything kind of clicked a little bit better. And and for people listening, they might think I don't want French toast in my beer. It wasn't like cinnamon toast crunch, right? <laughs> right yeah. I mean, it was just a certain part of the French toast. Mm-hmm. And when you taste it, I think you'll agree with us. Uh, but that Avery was fantastic. Wow the the flavors coming off of that. You will say there's no fruit juice in here. There's no fruit juice in there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Check that out as soon as it gets released. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Craft Beer Radio. Nice. Oh, oh. I'm about to rain down in Africa. Sing it, Greg. That's Greg Weiss over there. That's CBR Greg on the Twitters. <laughs> and with me, at Jeff Mayer. I don't know. Let's see if I know any of the words. Well, they're not even singing now. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want an email, that is beer at craftbeerradio.com. And if you want to support us, again, that Amazon link is craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Easy peasy lemon squeeze. <laughs> My favorite kind of squeeze of lemon squeezy is the easy peasy kind. Yes. Thanks everyone. <laughs>